You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. I'm Rick Kleffel with the Agony Column Podcast. Today we're speaking with Scott Hammond and Tammy Stallings of Handy Books. Thank you for joining me, Scott and Tammy. Hello. Hi. You've run a a wonderful store, and one of the most interesting things about your store is I visited the brick-and-mortar store uh, before you closed it, and it was fabulous. It was deadly. But <laughs> to my pocketbook, but it was fabulous. So I'm wondering if you could first explain to me the decision to close the brick and mortar and go internet only. Well, a number of factors went into that decision, uh, chief amongst them some internal disagreements between uh, myself and my then business partner. Uh, in the end, um, when we decided to close the business, Tammy and I looked at it and said, uh, you know, we can make a really good business out of this by just moving it to the Internet, and uh, that's how that came about. But sometimes I miss having the store. Sometimes I'm happy to just be able to do this. Um, but in the end, it was a change for the best. Can you explain to me some of the specifics of what you did to do that? Did you just uh, move everything back to your garage or and did you have to upgrade the e-commerce aspects of your website? T- tell me about the, the, the move from the real to the virtual. I think Tammy can answer that much better. Uh, we actually don't own a garage. We um, operate out of a professional office suite. Um, we cleared out a lot of inventory before we closed down the shop, but we did move over about 6,000 titles. And... Um, we did have to change our inventory control program to a much more robust one because the old one just couldn't handle the accuracy that we need to do internet only. And are you are your books just stacked in a in a in a office cubicle somewhere? Oh, oh no, no, no no no! It's set up like like a library. Um, we've got you know wall to wall, door to door bookcases. Um, they're just not four feet apart like they would be in a regular browsable bookstore. I should also stress they're not alphabetized either. We have an inventory control system whereby when one book sells, uh, regardless of title, author, genre, another book goes straight into that empty slot. So it's not really set up for browsing, but um, it's very easy to uh, fulfill orders. orders. Tell me a little, what kind of, well, let, let me ask the specifics. What inventory program are you using before and what are you using now? Um, HandyBooks started out, their first internet experience was in 98 with Abe Books mm-hmm. using Homebase. Okay. Um, that was not accurate enough for my needs, so we switched over to BookHound. Now, is BookHound a, a, a piece of software or is it a, a service like ABE? Uh, it's a software. Okay. And it actually lets us sell on multiple sites, and we do our best business through Biblio books. Biblio books. And that would explain the bibliophile, uh, Mr. Scott Hammer. Hammond. <laughs> uh, tell me, since going on the internet, have, do you feel that uh, 
that was a wise decision. And I'm wondering how you compare your experiences with those of the people who are still in brick and mortar independent bookstores. Do you know any people who, who do that or who envy you or say, oh, my God, how, why did you do that? We get a little. We get a little of each reaction. Uh, we're very close with uh, proprietors of, uh, say, Borderlands Books up in San Francisco, and uh, they they want they run a, a, a wonderful brick and mortar store and and a, a good they do good internet business. Um, they've uh, we've shared information over the years and and we've seen how they do things. Um, for us, for what we want to what we want to do with our lives, for the lifestyle we want to lead. Uh, this is the best thing for us. Um, not having the, the set hours of a brick-and-mortar store, being able to focus on what is really profitable for us um, uh, and enjoyable for us. Let's talk a little bit uh, about your stock, the kind of books that you stocked before and after. Do you still stock a lot of say, brand-new American hardcover titles that come out, you know, on a monthly basis and would probably bury you alive if you gave, let them, gave them a chance? Not so much anymore. Uh, we do carry some, but most of what we carry uh, along those lines are books that uh, um, we've managed to get signed copies. And signed books are a big part of our business. Uh, the value-added thing is a huge thing for us. Um, so... We don't get buried under huge amounts of new books. Tammy, could yes. you talk to me about your business outlook? I've talked to a lot of people from Mark Ziesing to Alan Bates to uh, Del Howison over at Dark Telescopies, and everybody seems to have a slightly different outlook as to how the business aspect is working. How do you feel about being in business selling books now as an internet only and then as a brick and mortar? Uh, well, brick and mortar, I was just book guy's spouse, so my view was very different back then. Um, internet only, we're very optimistic. Um, year to date, our sales are up 35% over where they were this time last year. Wow, that's incredible. That's like, Amazing. That's, that's, that's like, a, that's reverse of the trend. So we're incredibly proud of that, and, you know, knock wood that that will continue. Scott, I, I gather that you're, as the uh, resident bibliophile, you're the guy who picks and chooses some of the titles. And when I look at your homepage, it's just like a droolomatic list of authors that I must have signed first editions for. Well, thank you. Uh, tell me a little bit about how you do this. And I'm also, the other thing I want to ask both of you, do you guys stock a lot of uh, UK titles? Do you try to import UK titles? Uh, we have some connections. We do carry some UK titles. Um, most of what we pick up, um, most of what we have, we pick up at uh, conventions from some of the contacts we've made over the years. And so you're not actively trying to import UK titles to the to the US anymore, then? No, no. What we'll do is we'll either pick up things at conventions, uh, prearrange to pick up things at conventions, or we'll pick up uh, titles that. Uh, We'll, we'll make deals with British distributors uh, to import specific titles that we think are uh, exciting. Well, let's talk about some of these exciting titles. When I looked at your webpage, as I saw, I said, I saw Jasper Ford, I saw Richard Morgan. I mean, these are two of the the authors who really launched me into this website, frankly. So I'm wondering, um, 
how you're doing with their books. Jasper Ford has done, done remarkably well, hasn't he? Oh, Jasper, Jasper Ford's been huge for us um, uh, over the years. Uh, well, I should also say that, that the stuff that we carry of this nature, we, we carry it because we like it. Um, yes, there's a certain amount of, uh, we like to think, business savvy that goes into choosing these things. But in the case of Jasper Ford and Richard Morgan, uh, we carry their books because we, we love them. Um, so uh, Jasper Ford's books have been terrific for us. Richard Morgan's, um, I think, just on the on a verge of taking it to the next level, sales-wise and and artistically. His stuff, his recent books, have been very exciting. What uh, authors that we don't know about are you excited about now? Well, actually, most of the the authors. Um, who are exciting me right now are outside the genre, um, although some of them are, are uh, you know, quote-unquote literary authors who are playing inside the genre. Um, best book I've read this year is, hands down, it's Michael Shaben's book, uh, The Yiddish Policeman's Union, and it's an alternate history novel by a Pulitzer Prize winner, uh, just a super book. Um, but outside the SF fantasy, horror, mystery genres, um, Kiara Brinkman's book, uh, Up High in the Trees, um, first novel, beautifully written, um, really has something to say about life and, and dealing with people, and just can't recommend it highly enough. Boy, I haven't heard about that. I'll have to, I'll have to look into it. Do you have signed copies? Uh, yes, we do. Oh, good. And I noticed you had signed copies of Austin Grossman's book. On, uh, at least that was the implication on your webpage. Oh, yeah, yeah, we still have signed copies, and that was a book that um, uh, appealed to me because I'm really into comics and have been since I was a kid, and uh, uh, the minute I read the flap copy on that book, I just knew I had to read it. I really enjoyed it. It's a book that, as I was reading it, I was thinking, "Mm, okay, this is good, but not great, and uh, it's one of those books that I finished, I put down, and I'm still thinking about how much I enjoyed it three, four months later. It yeah, really, very, high, very high on my list of recommendations for the year. Now, when I've talked to a lot of other uh, booksellers, uh, I always ask this question just because this, what happened to me was when I first bought uh, Altered Carbon, I bought one copy, and I thought I read it, and I said, this just absolutely rocks. So I went back and I bought like four more for British first editions. Mm-hmm. And they were all signed, and now they're all worth fairly astronomical amounts of money. And I did the same thing actually with uh, Jasper Ford. And it's the same thing. I just read it and I said, my God, I have to have one of these that's entirely untouched by my grimy hands. Uh-huh. And then I want to have one for the library and then, you know, just salt them away. So sure. are, are there any books out there that you love so much? that you think might be worth something in terms of, you know, somebody who's out there who, A, might, would really love the book, but also just might find out that, boy, I, I wish I had bought two of those. Which books do you think people would enjoy and that they should probably buy two of? Oh, that, that is a really tough question because, you know, uh, the, the bookseller in me wants to take the high road and say, oh, you should just buy it because you love it. Buy it, read it, enjoy it, and salt it away. And if it's worth something in the future, then good luck to you. But uh, I hear where you're coming from. It's it's tough for me to say to give you a direct answer to that question. Um, I'd say, again, outside the genre, the Brinkman book is probably a good bet. Um, God, uh, 
that. Uh, you did well with the altered carbon. I, I did the same thing. <laughs> Funny, huh? But unfortunately, don't have any uh, of the British left. No. Um, I'm kind of giggling at the two of you because I'm not so much of a bibliophile, but um, the book that I have every possible version of is Neil Gaiman's Coraline. Oh, really? Now, I only saw one, one version of that. Oh, there's... There's several different versions. There's a special one that's got an interview at the end. Yeah, that's the, the, the version that went to, went to the comic shops. There's a of British course, I've read them. I, I don't let him salt them away. Those, those are mine. <laughs> um, you know, I, I guess uh, the, the only thing that I've really read like that this year in the genre would be um, John Meany's book, um, Bone Song. Bone Song, yeah, I actually have a, an ARC of that. John Meany is so good. That no Paradox Context Resolution trilogy is just outstanding. And his new one, it's not science fiction, though, is it? No, no, it's it's dark, dark, dark fantasy. Um, it's kind of a uh, dark fantasy crossed with Hill Street Blues. Um, <laughs> that and, sounds and I really unusual. Loved really loved it. So... Uh, yeah, it, it's out in England, but my understanding is that the English and the American versions uh, differ considerably. Uh, the American version is going to be out in February, and is probably the one worth waiting for. But um, for the collector, going back and getting uh, British copies of Bone Song is probably not a bad idea. No, no, I, and that came out from Victor Gollan's books, didn't it? Yes, and yes. So most British hardcovers, particularly genre stuff, have pretty short print runs, usually not more than... 2,2500 unless they're Stephen King. So. Right. Well, that that uh, those Victor Gollins books are always a good bet. Uh, Simon Spanton is just an outstanding editor who has uh, a way of finding really, really great authors. I guess uh, Scott Lynch was another author he told me about that has done quite well over here with a, a series of fantasies. Oh, yeah, The Lies of Locke Lamora. Yes, and I, he has a new one out now called The Red Something, Something C. It's coming out. Maybe it's not out yet. No, I think, it's, I think it's out. I think I saw it at uh, uh, Borderlands last time I was up there. Um, uh, uh, of course, you know, the stuff that comes out from PS Publishing. Um, oh, those guys are very, deadly. very interesting stuff. They're publishing a lot of people who aren't particularly well-known over here uh, or not well-known yet, like Richard Parks, a uh, wonderful writer. Um, and maybe the most interesting uh, fantasy to me, at least since George R. R. Martin's uh, series, is the Stephen Erickson books. Um, Those are really wonderful. He's so it's so dense. It reminds me quite a bit of uh, China Mieville. Oh yeah, well he I, I think he's as concerned, well, maybe even more concerned with the culture and the, the creating a a place uh, um, as he is with creating uh, the the characters. Not to slight his abilities in that regard. Uh, or in terms of plot, because the stories are wonderful. Um, but it, it's been a great series, and he's he's a um, an archaeologist or an anthropologist by trade. So uh, he's approaching uh, the creation of these worlds by or this world by with from a, a, an interesting an interesting place, rather than just being somebody who maybe uh, is a fantasy enthusiast who's decided to write a book. Well, uh, and he's pretty far along in the series. It was projected to be 10 books long. I think he's up to book eight now, isn't he? He's up to book eight now, yeah. Wow, well, that means he might actually finish it. He better. Oh, <laughs> this I, is, this I think, is a problem. 
I think he will. And the, the, the side stuff that uh, has been put out by uh, PS Publishing in England and by uh, Nightshade Books over here is worth picking up too. Uh, now, that bringing up Nightshade Books, I'm wondering, do you do a lot of work with uh, the small press? Um, not so much anymore because we don't have an open shop. Uh, again, we kind of approach our work with small presses as we do with the major presses. If they're books that uh, interest us, then we'll carry them. Or if they're books that interest us and we think that we can add some value by getting the book signed, carry them. But um, Nightshade, uh, Nightshade, Tachyon, the local people, because we know them personally, we probably deal with more than, say, Subterranean or Cemetery Dance. And... The real reason that we don't deal with those, the, the, the last two presses I, I mentioned, is that they do an enormous amount of business over the internet, selling their, their books almost by uh, subscription directly to customers. And um, they, they, there isn't really a lot of business for us left over. No value add. Yeah. So if, if we had an open shop, maybe we would carry them. Maybe uh, a customer would come in and say, oh, hey, you've got this brand new signed limited by so-and-so, Simon Clark, say. Um, but since we're selling mostly on the Internet, um, uh, it's just as easy for the customer to get their book directly from uh, Subterranean or Cemetery Dance as it is from us. Tammy, could you talk about the economics of getting these signed copies? Do you actually go to the authors or, or ship by stacks of books and ship them to the authors or, or just wait for them to come to you via some connection? Primarily, I send my bibliophile out into the field with a stack of books. <laughs> uh, a, a, a savvy business strategy as, as well as bibliophile presumably enjoys these expeditions. He does very much, and, and that's part of what makes us a success is that, you know, I'm, I'm here to do all the things that Scott does not love to do. So finding and, and getting signed and cataloging and touching all the wonderful books, that's what Scott does. I do the web work. I do, you know, tracking of orders, um, inventory control, all that nitty-gritty stuff that, you know, I'm good at and, and isn't really involved in the books so much. So, yeah, he loves going and meeting the authors and standing in line and getting things signed. I love to play stump with the author, uh, <laughs> to bring something up that they haven't seen in years or uh, causes them to pause and say, uh, my God, where'd you find this? Or I remember when I had my first story published in this magazine, that sort of thing. Oh, well, what was your favorite, most favorite, most recent uh, stump the author moment? Um... God, uh, recent, nothing's coming to mind recently, but uh, probably my favorite was uh, Annie Prue, the um, uh, Pulitzer Prize winner for Shipping News. Oh, sure, sure. Um, she also, for 25, 30 years, was the editor of um, some small magazine uh, in New England. It may have even been New England Magazine, and published science fiction. Um, her first published professional published work was in uh, If. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Annie Prue, science fiction? Yep. Oh, my God, the world has just been shattered. It's a story called The Customs Lounge. Uh, she published it in, I want to say, 62 or 63. Wow. She was pretty shocked that anybody had that or anybody remembered or put two and two together. She said no one had ever had or signed one before. Yeah. Wow. 
Well, let's hope, let's look forward to some more science fiction from Annie Prue. That sounds like an intriguing uh, possibility. Yeah, well, if you find uh, uh, back issues of, again, I think it's New England Magazine. She and her husband uh, were the editors of this magazine for years. Um, She has stories throughout that, too, some in the genre, some out, out of the genre, and some under pseudonyms, so... Sounds. Interesting interesting career. She's had an interesting career. We've been speaking with Scott Hammond and Tammy Stallings. They're the proprietors of Handy Books, an internet-only bookstore. Thank you for joining me. Thank, Thank you, you for having us. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.